Hey, listen, we, uh, we're going we're gonna to be pretty quick with the word tonight. We're not going to take a lot of time. I wanna, wanted to uh, just put something in front of you. Uh, obviously, we have a lot of children in here tonight. Well, we have some children in here. We don't have a ton, but we have some children in here. I've already seen parents like in spastic mode, like running kids out the back door. Shut up. No, uh, so, and, uh, <laughs> but what I wanted to, I wanted to actually, actually talk to you guys about um, something that, man, I just feel like the Lord's been put on my heart. And so what I, what I want you to do is I want you to contextualize what we're going to talk about tonight. So uh, this either uh, outright applies to you, and it's going to be very easy for you to understand, uh, or it doesn't apply to you yet, but absorb it and understand that one day it will, or it used to apply to you, it doesn't anymore, and I'm going to explain to you how it can apply to you again. All right, does everyone understand? Yes? Okay. Because I'm going to talk to you briefly tonight about the importance of raising Christ-centered children in a Christ-centered home. All right? So can we do that for just a few minutes tonight? Well, we're doing it anyway, so, we, you know. <laughs> Proverbs 22.6 says, many of you know this, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. All right? So I have a question for you. How many parents in here tonight, raise your hand if you're a parent. Where, where are my parents at? Raise your hand if you plan to be a parent one day, but maybe you're not right now. Raise your hand. So all, if you are a parent, raise your hand. If you plan on being a parent, raise your hand. Okay. All right. So, some of y'all are like, mm, mm-mm, nope. Ain't now, ain't going to be, not, ha- no. Uh, so, so here's the question that I have for you, all right? How many of you would say, as parents or as people that intend to be parents, I do not want to play any role or take any responsibility in my child becoming a discipled Christ follower. How many would raise your hand and admit to that? I do not want to play any role in that. I was hoping for this outcome right here. Okay. <laughs> yes, very good answer. Saw so some people like, looking around at everybody else. No, this must be a trick question. I'm not raising my hand. I do not want to play any role or take any responsibility in my child becoming a discipled Christ follower. None of us would say that, would we? Right. But this is a tricky question because it is just like the question, how many of us would ever say that we're smarter than God? Who wants to raise their hand on that? I'm smarter than God. Would any of us do that? But how many of us believe deep down in our hearts that we have suggestions that God ought to take in our own circumstances? So there's three of us that are honest, four or five. Okay, we're getting there. Oh, okay, right, right, right. Lord, I got, you need to listen to what I got to say now. Right, because we have, we have genuine suggestions on how God, who created the universe with words, should move on our particular circumstance. Right, so we believe that, but none of us would say out of our mouth that we're smarter than God. Right, we can all agree on that. Okay. I want to give you some statistics, so stay with me for a couple minutes on this, all right? So we wouldn't say it with our words, but what do we communicate with our actions? And how have we prioritized the spiritual outcome of our children's lives with a healthy spiritual routine? So this becomes increasingly difficult for American Christians, and here's why. In 1991, 45% of Americans claimed to read their Bibles once a week. 
1991, 45% of Americans claim to read their Bible once a week. All right. In 2000 number that um, that num, in 2009 that number was almost exactly the same at 46%. In 2016 that number had dropped to 36 and a half percent. 36.5 percent of Americans say that they read their Bible once a week. So with millennials that number was not 36.5 percent. That number was 24 percent. Now keep in mind we're talking about children. Turn to your neighbor and say children. Good, you're all still awake. We're talking about children, right? 92% of this grade school children in America right now belong to millennials. That means 24% of the parents that are trying to raise spiritually discipled and Christ-centered children, 24% are, not, are only reading their Bible once a week. Let's keep going. Here's where it gets tricky. So with 92% of the children of school age belonging to millennials, only 24% of those millennials confess to picking up their Bible on a weekly basis. So never mind a daily basis, a weekly basis. In 2016, the number of people admitting that they never read their Bible at home and only account for their church service, or, or they only account for their Bible activity to be at a church service and being their spiritual intake is 27%. So 27% of America admits that the only biblical intake they have into their personal lives is on a Sunday morning at church. Let's keep going. Of that 27%, over half have children in grade school currently. So that means that it gets worse. That means that one out of every 10 parents of a school-aged child are reading the Bible on a weekly basis, once a week, right? So it gets better, depending on how you look at it. It gets worse. Um, parents to kids, sorry, parents to kids in affluent families, Karen brought this to my attention not too long ago, Parents to kids and affluent, and affluent families um, and proper families are spending less time communicating with their children than parents of lower income children. Were you with me? In other words, if you have more money, you're spending less time communicating to your child. All right. Why is that? Why do you think it is? Technology, right? The more money you have, the more ability you have to afford the iPhone 10, which means you're staring at your Facebook friends and not at your children. Okay. So. More fluent parents have the luxury of speaking to their children less. Religion in America has been segmented large portion to affluent families. In other words, the more wealthy you are, the more likely you are to be religious. So the numbers break down to approximately one in every 35 kids in America has a parent that is actively on a weekly basis seeking out a spiritual counsel through the word of God. The problem is that one out of 35, that's still only happening at church. The estimated number is one out of every 85 kids in America has a parent who is reading the Bible once a week on their own. So my question to you is, if one out of every 85 kids in America has a parent that's reading the Bible weekly on their own, how often are they doing that for their child? What I'm trying to tell you is adults in America are spiritually 
And because they're spiritually this way, they're also going to be relationally this way and emotionally this way and psychologically this way. They are in a drought spiritually, yet we want to know why our kids are turning out the way that they are. That means that with roughly 100 of you in here right now, one of you is parenting your child to read his Bible once a week. Never mind daily, once a week. Or her. I don't want to play that game. Right. Now, that, those are statistics. That doesn't mean that two parents can't be doing that in here. Don't listen, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's statistically, that is the case. So here's what I want to challenge you with, right? The idea that Christ, how, how, many of you, um, how many of you ever accidentally found something you were looking for? Think about that question for a second. How many of you ever accidentally found something you were looking for? Can you accidentally find something you're looking for? <laughs> if you're looking for it, can you accidentally find it, or do you find it on purpose? I know some of you guys are like, you know what, we're back to that first question. I'm not answering anything else in here tonight, <laughs> right? Can you accidentally find something you're looking for? The answer is no. Yet we tend to think that we're, our children are going to accidentally find Christianity while we are looking for it. In other words, I'm not going to disciple my own kids. I'm not going to show them how to read the Bible. I'm not going to teach them how to pray. I'm just going to hope that the church does it for me. And then when they turn 15 and pregnant, we want to know why everything went crazy. And listen, I, I, what I want to encourage you today, I want to help you understand something, is that we, if, if we've been tossing around this idea on staff here that we don't just want to be a church of longevity, but we want to be a church of a legacy. In other words, I don't want to be a church that's here for 30 years. I want to be a, a church that's here for, for 30 decades. Like I, I, want, I, want something, I want people to be talking about Transformation Church and, and the work that God did in an amazing way here for decades to come. I don't want this to end with someone. I want this to continue to go. The problem is that if we are not actively raising the children of Transformation Church with that in mind, then there is no possible way that that can be our outcome. So parents... Christ-like disciples don't happen on accident. In addition to that, it is not my, nor Pastor Dan's, nor the children's ministry of Transformation Church's responsibility to make sure that your child has a biblical and prayer-rooted and centeredness in their life. It is yours. If you don't want a teenager that's going 90 to nothing, then don't raise a child that goes 90 to nothing, all right? Now, I get that there are uh, chemical imbalances, and I, I get that there's a number of things that play into all of that, okay? I disciple, I, I disciple my son who doesn't walk or talk or clap. I sit down beside his bed, and I talk to him about the faithfulness of the Lord. 
I sit down behind his bed, beside his bed, and I talk to him about Noah in the ark. And despite having never seen rain, Noah was obedient to what God taught. I talked to him about obedience two days ago, about how we're supposed to be obedient to God no matter what comes our way. In other words, we, we, we will disciple our children differently, but we are responsible to disciple our children. But the problem is, is many of us aren't being discipled ourselves, let alone have the expectation to disciple our children. Come on, like, are you guys with me? And I, I, like, I know you feel like a punching bag right now. It's not my intention. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to help you guys understand something that if we are going to see our children making better decisions than we made, if we are going to see our children become spiritual, how, how many of you parents out there would love for your child to be the next pastor that could change his generation? Like, like where you got, how many of you would love your child to be the one, the next worship leader that records an album that transforms? the hearts and minds of young people. Like how many guys would love those things to be in your child's repertoire, right? The thing is, is that's not gonna happen on accident. It's gonna happen because we discipled them and we brought them up in the ways of Christ. And then when they became old, they didn't depart from it. So I wanna issue three things to you. One, the idea that Christ-like disciples don't happen on accident. Two, the, that you as a parent need to model Christ for your children. You need to model Christ for your children. The idea that you do what I say, not what I do, never works. Your children become you. So men, if you have daughters, your daughter will become how you treat your wife. Men, if you have sons, they will treat their wives the way you treat yours. Understand the gravity of what you are presenting in your house for your children to follow. So you model Christ for your children. You want your children to have a great prayer life? Then it starts with you. If you want your children to read the Bible, then it starts with you reading it to them. Right? So we have to find ways to walk and show your child what they should be doing and what they should know. I remember my, the first time I learned about perseverance, I was, we were fishing up in Kentucky, uh, pastored myself, and we had this lake we would go fish at all the time, which is ironic because I hate fishing now. Um, but we would go fishing, and so one day, there was a, it was a dock, and I felt like the dock was 30 feet off the water. Realistically, it was probably like six. But um, so I was walking, and I was probably about five years old, and I fell in the water. Um, and this is like nasty lake. This isn't like a river. It's not clear water. It's not a spring. This is like that brown water with green algae growing on top of it. You know what I'm talking about? And I remember I fell in the water and I didn't even know how to swim at the time. He dives in and I, I just remember him grabbing a hold of my arm, pulling me out of the water. And he sat me down up on the dock and he taught me two things that day. One, don't live life close to the edge because you're probably going to fall in. <laughs> right? Not like, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Like, I bet you won't walk that close next time, will you? Right? <laughs> and, and second is right, five years old. He taught, me about he taught me about perseverance. He talking to me about when you were under that water, did you know I was coming? I said, 
yeah, part of me did know you were coming. And he said, God will never let you down either. And at five years old, he taught me how when life gets hard and you don't see a way out, God will still be there to rescue you. How many of us have children that are five or 10 or 15? Or how many of us are 35 and God has yet to reveal himself to us in that way because we weren't discipled well? And I had a father who raised me to understand and to be discipled and know the Lord. And he raised me with these values. And what I'm telling you as parents is we have to model Christ for our children. Every opportunity for discipline is an opportunity for discipleship. Come on, somebody. Like, every opportunity to correct is an opportunity to steer them towards Christ. Every opportunity to show them where they should be is an opportunity to show them why Christ wants to bring them there. Now, how many of us know that once you correct your child once, they never do it again? And, like, things are just better from that point forward, like, they, you know. So we have to continually model Christ for your children. Beauty, flavor, skin complexion, tides in the ocean are all opportunities for us to teach our children about Christ. And sometimes people come to us like, I don't even know where to start with my kid. Like, I don't even know how to, I don't, how do I even tell my son or how do I tell my daughter? Like, how do I show them how, how, like, how big Jesus is or how big God is? I'm like, are you going to go eat after this? Yeah. Where are you going? Mexican restaurant. Okay. When you sit down and he has that fajita, you talk to him about how flavors work because God told him to. About how textures work because God told him to. Like, we, we have to understand that we have to see God for all he is for our children to see God for all he is. Number three, we have to teach a child, or I'm sorry, teaching a child may not be your gift. How many of you guys think that teaching children is your gift? Some of y'all are like, yeah, me. <laughs> How many of y'all are like, not me? No, it's not, it's not for me. <laughs> teaching children is not my gift. Here's what I want you to understand. Parents, where you at? Parents? Teaching a child may not be your gift, but teaching your child is your calling. So you may not be made for children's ministry, but you are made for a child's ministry. It is up to you to dictate the future of what your child will be. So here's four steps that I want to help you with tonight. Number one, get every person in your family a Bible. I've talked to pe people have come into my office that have been in church, been in our church for two or three years. And I'm like, well, man, get out your Bible, you know? And they're like, yeah, I don't know where that's at. You don't know. You don't know where your Bible is. You really, like, there's nothing I can tell you at this desk right now that's going to solve your problem because your priorities are whack. You want me to hit the magic button. We want, you want me to give you the red pill instead of the blue one, and you want everything to get better, and it only gets better when it gets centered on Christ. Get every person in your family a Bible. Develop a Bible reading plan to use with your kids. Lead them to an understanding of who God is. I said lead them to an understanding of who God is. <clears throat> Did I say, tell them who God is? Turn to your neighbor and say, lead them. Come on, we're almost done. I know y'all are like, all right, all right, all right. No, turn to your neighbor and say, lead them. 
I didn't say tell them who God is. Lead them to who God is. Walk with them. Talk with them. Lead them to who God is. Lead them with speech and action to be like Christ. Our job as pastors is not to be the source. Our job as pastors is to be supplementary, supplementary to you as the source. We should come alongside what you are doing. You shouldn't come alongside to what we are doing. But if we as pastors are the only spiritual intake that you have each week, then you're failing yourself, never mind how you're failing your kids. So we need to do better. Does that mean we're doing terrible? No, many of you are just fine, right? Many of you come up to me and you're like, hey, I got a question about this thing. And I'm looking at it like, man, I'm going to have to go research now because I don't even know the answer to this. Like, I, <laughs> you know, in the book of Esther, like, man, nobody read Esther. Stop. I'm just kidding. In Ruth and Numbers, no. Mm-mm. But we need to take on the spiritual responsibility. And so here's a challenge that I have for you, parents. Um, don't treat our children's ministry like daycare. It's not their job to watch your kids so you can come in here and have a good church experience. All right? I actually want to encourage each one of you to take part in what happens back there. Maybe it's once a month. Once a month. Contact, our, contact TC Kids and go to them and say, look, all right, once a month I want to come back and I want to serve in the kids' ministry so that I can be part of my children's learning experience back here. If you're on the dream team, that means you have to take one Sunday a month off from serving on the greeters team or wherever else so that you can spend time with your kids. Do that because that matters. That makes sense? So is it a mandate? No, not yet. Y'all picking up what I'm throwing down? All right, so is it a mandate? No, not yet. But how many guys, it wasn't, I was actually, I had prepared myself for utter chaos in here tonight, to be honest with you, with the kids in here. But it wasn't that bad. I mean, it really wasn't. However, uh, we will only have children's ministry as long as we have people who are willing to help in children's ministry at Transformation Church. Which means if we don't have anybody discipling children, then they're going to be in the sanctuary. Y'all, you getting where I'm going? So if you have kids, I'm encouraging you right now to become part of the discipleship process at Transformation Church with your kids so that we ensure that, number one, back there, they're getting everything that they need. Secondly, at home, you're getting everything you need. I had a parent come to me. They started serving in the TC Kids Zone just um, about six months ago. And they said, I didn't realize how desperately my children needed me more at home until I became part of what we were doing here. And so I want to encourage you. For some of you, maybe you're going to do it every week. Maybe you're going to do it every other week. You need to become part of the TC Kids Ministry and part of what the Lord is doing back there. You need to become part of your child's uh, discipleship process. And listen to me, folks. One last thing. You need to be discipled yourself. If you are not in a small group that is creating active discipleship for you in which you have to submit to someone else through accountability, you are failing yourself. 
because if you think you're good enough, you're not. Neither am I. How many of us, you know, I, I, I love the Billy Graham, the last story, and then I'll close. Billy Graham, uh, you guys, if some of you have been in the church game a long time, you remember back in the late 80s and early 90s, there was a lot of pastors that were getting caught in like affairs and all that nonsense and the craziness that was going on. Some of y'all are like, man, I ain't been saved six months, let alone 26 years. Like what? But you guys, some of you remember that. And a lot of pastors were getting caught in affairs and just all kinds of craziness. And, and they came to Billy Graham and they said, hey, how come you don't ever, how can we never hear about this stuff with you? How come you don't ever get caught in fear? How come we don't? And he's like, oh, that's easy. I don't trust myself. And they're like, what do you mean you don't trust yourself? Easy. I don't trust myself. If, I, if I'm going to stay at a hotel, my wife is going to stay with me or another man from my church is going to stay with me, but I'm never going to be by myself. I'm never the only person at the time. They didn't have cell phones, but at the time, today, if you're the only person with the password to your phone, you're failing yourself. The only person with the password to your computer, you're failing yourself. If no one else can pick up your phone at any given time and look through it, you're failing yourself. If no one can look through your computer, if no one can look through your iPad, if no one can look through whatever, you're failing yourself. You need outright accountability with someone. But if you're not being discipled, you're failing yourself. And if you're not being discipled, you're failing your children. And if you're not willing to do it for you, do it for them. Because many of you have made terrible decisions. Know, how many of us ever made bad decisions knowing dang well we knew exactly what we were doing, right? Come on. <laughs> like, that's probably not the smartest thing to do. You want to go do it anyways? Yeah, you know, sure. Like, <laughs> but how many of us would admit that those same dumb things, we don't want to see our kids make the same mistakes, right? Let's raise our children better. For those of you that don't have kids or maybe your kids are like, maybe your kids have kids, thank you for bearing with me through tonight. But how many of us will all agree that this, um, the messages that we talk when we take time like this are vital to the future of our children and to our church? Amen. You guys with me on that? So listen, uh, become part of the process with what we're doing here at TC. Get your kids involved back there at TC Kids, but you as a parent become involved in what's happening. Even if it's just once a month, one service a month, go back there and serve. Um, but you need to contact our TC Kids, contact our office. Um, they'll have to get you. We want to get you background checks. All right. Listen, if you got like some shady past, I'm not talking about like you robbed a convenience store. I'm talking about like, anyways, y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, then we need to, that's different. Okay. So um, you guys are with me? Yes. How many guys enjoyed tonight? Amen. All right, very good. Thank you. I know it's a much different message, but, um, man, it's just so important. We got to make sure we take care of our kids. And so uh, it, it's, it's worth it. To me as a pastor, it's worth it. Uh, if it's not worth it to you, then get over it. All right, so uh, go and stand on your feet. We'll get ready to dismiss and pray. Uh, Father, we just come to you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. And God, first and foremost, uh, before anything else, God, we just we, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross tonight. And we just thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you that the gospel makes us whole. We thank you that through Jesus, uh, we, we no longer have to be seen as second class. We no longer have to be seen as, as the, the, the back or the bottom uh, of the barrel. But God, we thank you that in Christ, we are more than enough. We thank you that in Christ, we are victorious. We thank you that in Jesus, we're conquerors. We thank you, uh, God, that we can keep our head held high, not in our righteousness, but in the righteousness that is found in Christ. And so, God, we just thank you for that, Lord. Before we ask for anything, God, we just want to tell you that you're good and that we love you.
And God, I just pray right now that as we talked about tonight, Lord, that uh, God, you, each one of our parents, God, those that are here, those that aren't here, Father, that we would recognize the necessity, uh, God, of raising Christ-centered, Christ-following children, that they are to be disciple, that they are to be driven towards Jesus in every circumstance, God. And so I just pray that you encourage each one of our parents, Lord, to guide the steps of our children, to become active in the discipleship of our children, God, and that as we do that, Lord, we are setting up a foundation that when they're old, God, they won't depart from the gospel. And so, God, we just declare right now, Lord, those that have been raised in Christ, Lord, and they're away from you, that you call them home right now. And God, we just pray right now for each one that is being raised and developed in you, Father, that you continue to keep your word and you keep your promise to us, God. So we thank you for that, Lord. We pray for our pastor right now, God, that Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, that you would just speak favor and blessing onto his life, God, and, and the situations that he's taking care of right now, God. I just pray that you give wisdom and peace and knowledge, Lord, and you also give favor and blessing. Uh, so, God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you move supernaturally into what he's speaking into, God, and we thank you for that. God, and I just pray for every person that's here, God, as they get ready to leave this place and go their separate ways, God, I pray that you speak blessing over their life. Lord, not more things, God, but more of you. And God, the more of you that we have, God, the more we can be focused on what you're calling us to. So God, I just pray that you release purpose and plan and destiny into the lives of your people, God. We thank you tonight. We love you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys, you guys have a good night. If you want to give tonight, you can give at each one of the doors. We'll be taking up an offering, uh, but we appreciate you. We'll see you Sunday.